There's no better place to watch football with friends than Buffalo Wild Wings. They've got all the games on wall-to-wall TVs and a new $5 game day menu with 38-ounce pitchers of Bud Light, Coors Light, and Miller Light, cheeseburgers and broths, and select cocktails. And every Sunday, you can play an exclusive fantasy football game with DraftKings with prizes like free wings for a year. Get to Buffalo Wild Wings for our $5 game day deals. When football is on, you have to be here. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, sports. Price and participation vary. Subject to restrictions. Limited time only. Blog Talk Radio. It's your boy, 3K. It's her show radio, and most importantly, just get it out. Scream it. Find the closest mountaintop. Go to it and just scream out football. I swear to God, you'll feel better. And then obviously after the 10-day jailing period for noise violation, uh, deal with that the way you need to But I'll, I'll tell you this, it's worth it It's worth it, and so is Tertial Radio Thanks everybody for joining in Like I said, it's your boy 3K Lovely Tuesday night Here in the Washington, D.C. area Thanks for calling us in We're going to have Ted Glover on in a little bit From Daily Norseman, the SB Nation community For fans of the Minnesota Vikings The Rams' week one opponent And it's week one The games matter This is when you throw away all the goofy euphemisms It's time to play football, man, and it feels good it feels really good. There's a, there's a lot of news that we do have to go over, though. Uh, some of the things going on around the league, obviously the Michael Sam news dropped today. looks like he's going to be a Dallas Cowboy this season, uh, headed to the practice squad. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets called up sooner rather than later, especially as good as he was in the preseason if they're starting to get some production out of their ends. Uh, Rams made a move themselves, picking up Case Keenum, the former Houston standout under Coach Kevin Sumlin, now head coach of Texas A&M. We're going to get to that at the end of the show. That was a lot of fun. Uh, but Rams picked him up off waivers, obviously, with Sean Hill. Don't expect to see Case anytime soon. But it is a uh, solid move to get some depth there. With, that's a bit more promising than what the Rams had in uh, Garrett Gilbert previously and obviously Austin Davis. Uh, big news, obviously, coming out of Denver, Wes Welker. Poppin' Molly. Is, is, has anything ever good happened from Poppin'? There, there's been a lot of good. Okay. All right. Um, kids don't do it, but apparently uh, I'm getting a lot of head nods that Molly's are actually, uh, I guess, a lot of fun. I wouldn't know. Uh, but Wes Welker ended up trying them when he was at the Kentucky Derby, and Wes Welker plus Molly's plus Kentucky Derby equals four-game suspension. Sorry about that, Peyton. Interesting big news there. Well, obviously, the Broncos are pretty stacked. We'll have to see how it affects them the first couple of weeks. Rams got their own suspension. They're going to have to deal with with Stedman Bailey. So it was interesting to see. Obviously, I'm assuming if you're a Rams fan, you need to be following Jim Thomas, be writer for the Rams, St. Louis Post-Dispatch, Twitter, Exceptional, any of the uh, fake Spanish adjectives you want to throw at him. Uh, his Twitter feed is obviously worth a follow. But he got a hold of the Rams' first official, or excuse me, unofficial depth chart. It's not out at the website yet, the team site. 
I'll probably expect to see that in the next 24 hours. Some interesting things there, uh, primarily the fact that Greg Robinson, the Rams' number two uh, pick, number two overall pick in the 2014 NFL draft, not starting. He's listed uh, at left guard, left tackle with the twos. Uh, You know, there have been successful rookies in the past, Robert Quinn, chief among them, who weren't starting their first week of their NFL career, but obviously with the Rams putting as much as they did into the hopes of Rams fans that Greg Robinson was going to be somebody who was going to maul and really improve the running game. The fact that he's not starting uh, week one is something what, – what's the, what's the right phrase here? I guess it's uh, concerning, disconcerting. The fact is we'd probably rather him be in there kicking ass than be on the sidelines, but it is what it is. In any case, it's going to be Roger Saffold over on the left side at guard, and David Joseph is going to be at right guard. Jake Long, obviously, starting at left tackle. Um, Kenny Britt, Tavon Austin, listed as your starting wide receivers. Obviously, starting isn't as big a deal because you can start and then obviously have two series where they're working in different groups at wide receiver. But interested to see that Kenny Britt started over Brian Quick, I think, was the big standout for me there. We're going to have to see what Brian Quick does, especially without Stedman Bailey. If he can't get on the field and can't find a way uh, to get some production, and I think that's going to be the most worrisome aspect of all. Uh, and then the last piece was that EJ Gaines was listed in the second team right behind Trumaine Johnson. Uh, we'll, we're going to have to see if that means that EJ Gaines is your starter, uh, depending on what kind of formation they want to rock. Now, obviously, we saw a lot of nickel looks, uh, some different safety plays. I wouldn't be surprised if really what the, what the Rams come out with, at least in the first half while they're getting used to Minnesota's attack, uh, in, in the passing game is some combination of Janoris Jenkins, EJ Gaines, and LaMarcus Joyner. Uh, but we're going to have to see. It, it's going to be interesting. It's week one, man. It matters. It's fun. We finally made it to football. It took forever. Good God. But we're here. Uh, like I said, Ted Glover is going to be up in just a second. I want to cover a couple things about the Viking games. The number to call us tonight is 347 857-1022. We're going to make this the bilingual episode, I guess. I hope Ted speaks Spanish. We're going to do it. 347-857-1022 is your calling number tonight. Take a couple calls after we get done with Ted, and then uh, we're going to talk about the draft a little bit, which is coming to view because, look, uh, no turf show radio episode would be complete without an injury report, and, you know, the reality is you're starting with the centerpiece of the team, franchise quarterback Sam Bradford, that now is really – I don't know if he's much more than a question mark. And it's it's hard it's hard to know how that gets answered right now. You got to get through the season and see is Sean Hill able to hold this team together competently on offense where they can get wins. Kind of what Kellen Clemens did last year. Although uh, I, I was looking back at it, the four division games that uh, Kellen started for the Rams, he threw two touchdowns and seven interceptions. That's just not acceptable. Um, and I think that's part of the reason why Kellen Clemens is no longer the backup and they ended up going with Sean Hill through free agency. You've got to get something that, that isn't nearly as mistake-prone from your quarterback, especially in those divisional games. I think that's going to be a huge deal. But without Sam, there's a question from Baltimore's only Ram fan in the open thread. You can find it in the prime slot over at Tertial Times. Uh, asking who throws more touchdowns this year, Austin Davis, Case Keenum, or J- Johnny Hecker? And, you know, it, it comes down to Sean Hill. The point is, if Sean Hill gets injured, then Davis, or you know, even if he plays really badly, I guess, you know, if the, if the season just starts tanking, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe there's a, a shuffle among the quarterbacks. But as long as Hill plays confidently the way that Kellen Clemens did at a, at a bare minimum last year, I think we're going we're gonna to see Sean Hill playing a lot of football uh, 
and I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. We talked about it on the site. Uh, there's reason for optimism, certainly, among Rams fans. The bigger question is, as Baltimore's only BLRF, Borf, as, Borf, as Borf asked, is Sean Hill gets us to 8-8. Eight and eight. Uh, where, where does that leave Sam Bradford? And I think we're going to have to see how it plays out. You've got to figure out, A, what is the draft position that you're going to have? Because if the Rams aren't picking in the top three, then it's going to – or at least let's say the top five, where you've got guys right now, draft stock, Oregon's Marcus Mariota, Mariota uh, James Winston out of Florida State. You know, when you've got their top quarterbacks there, it makes it a little bit easier, just like when the Rams drafted Sam Bradford. You're in position to take either the top guy or one of the top guys. That's where they were this year with the number two overall pick, but that was a gift from Washington. If you're sitting where they were uh, – a couple months ago, and you're in the middle of the first round, it's going to be difficult to get somebody who can immediately come in and make a big difference. And I think that's a tough value choice that they're going to have to make is do you have somebody like Sean Hill, a competent veteran that can get you to mediocrity and and hope that you can lean on the success of your defense and special teams in a running game to try to get you into the postseason? Do you need to make an immediate addition that gives you a way ahead in the future with somebody out of college? Or do you kind of roll the dice with Sam Bradford? Obviously, the contract is an issue, but, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know what's going to happen. For people who are writing off the idea of Sam Bradford playing for the Rams again, I would say this. At every turn, Jeff Fisher and Les Snead have been more committed than ever. Uh, to Sam Bradford, and this offseason was no different. They had the number two overall pick. They had every option on the table, and they still stuck by him completely. And they didn't even draft a quarterback until Gary Gilbert. That tells you how steadfast they were in supporting Sam as the starter. So that stubbornness tells me that there's there's still a decent chance that Sam Bradford is back in 2015. We're going to have to see them. Uh, in any case, we've got football not just behind us. We've got football in front of us and that means Minnesota coming to town. I've, I've got three keys, and I want to bring those up with Ted when he comes on. The big three that I've got, number one is going to be field position. This is kind of my thing for the year. With Sean Hill in there, I think one of the big keys for the Rams is going to be field goals. You've got a kicker in Greg Zerline who can you know, kick some of the longest field goals in the league. And last year's total of 28 attempts just isn't sufficient. That's not making the most out of somebody who gives you great value at the position. It's especially important here against Minnesota on Sunday because they got a kicker in Blair Walsh who is just as good, if not better. I think there's an argument to be made that these are two of the best, if not the best, kickers in the game. And making sure that you're not wasting those talents on a week-to-week basis is going to be, I think, a big factor for both teams over the course of the season, but certainly on Sunday when both of them are there to see who gets the most out of that kicking game when when the drives are getting stopped and when they're failing to move the ball. Of course, part of field position, my number two key to that game is going to be turnovers. Uh, You know, like I mentioned, the seven interception rate, uh, two touchdowns, two to seven as a touchdown to interception ratio. That's just against the division foes. Obviously, he fared a little bit better against non-divisional opponents. You you can't afford the the turnovers that are going to get them points, get the Vikings points, and certainly not the kind that are going to put them close to the red zone. It's going to be tough because you've got a new starting wide receiver in Kenny Brick. You've got a new starting quarterback in Sean Hill. You've got some component, at least one component, David Joseph, a new uh, uh, option on the offensive line. And who knows what the running game is going to look like. Obviously, Zach Stacey's your starter, but the Rams seemingly are very high on Benny Cunningham, and they drafted Trey Mason in the third round. There's intended value there, and he's going to be around. So 
we're going to have to see. But you, you don't want to uh, assume that everything works out. <laughs> you know, when you look at the Rams' offense the last couple of years, there's no reason to – I understand the optimism of our Rams fans, but you still can't afford those kind of turnovers that they're just going to make things that much more difficult for an offense that hasn't really shown – uh, a lot of exceptionalism in the years past. And then the third is what I'm kind of coaching, and I kind of put that into three prongs. Obviously, you got the offensive side where you're talking about how, how do you get the ball to all the guys that you need to? How, how involved is Kenny Britt going to be? How involved is Brian Quick going to be? How do you force the ball into Tavon Austin's hands early? I think that's a huge question. The run-pass disparity, obviously you want to assume that they're going to lean on the run, but if Minnesota assumes that and they come out maybe the first drive, the first two drives, and really stuff the run, how do you manage the run-pass balance? especially in the first half, to set the conditions for the response in the second half. That's big. Obviously, on the defensive side, you got a couple big questions. Greg Williams, we know he likes to blitz and throw a lot of guys into the backfield. The Rams have one of the best pass rushes in the league, and now you add to that Aaron Donald out of the middle. I think the question is, how do you balance that against the coverage? The cushion of death is a real thing, and, and I'm going to be interested to see if you get to that third and two, third and three. How are they playing the pass coverage on that? Because obviously last year, year before, you can hear the groans hundreds of miles away when Janoris Jenkins is sitting back four or five yards off the receiver. They run a short slant, maybe an audible for something real easy to pick up the first down. And the question is, well, what what, what are you really preventing there? You're giving them the first down to prevent a touchdown, but now they've got a, a full new set of downs and you're, you're making it that much harder to get off the field. I'm going to be really interested to see if Greg Williams has something in mind in terms of how he wants to pair uh, the coverage scheme with the pass rush. And then kind of the third arm of that that coaching key point would be penalties. The penalties last year were what – is, what is the right word for a, a family show? They were shit-worthy. They, they, they were worth shit. It, it was so tough to watch the Rams get a holding penalty on first or second down and know that the chances of converting that into a first down were close to nil because there just wasn't the offense that can ch- churn out 20, 25-yard passes when the defense knows that's what it needs to get uh, to move the ball, to move the chains. Um, obviously, we've seen a lot, uh, enough kick in the penalty calls in the preseason. Interested to see how that's, uh, that pairs out over the last couple weeks into the regular season, but the Rams are one of those singular teams where they've got to find a way to cut back on penalties, especially on the offensive side, where you've got those holding calls, some of those illegal formations that popped up pretty often in 2013, because the Rams just can't afford that. One team that could afford that, though, is definitely the Minnesota Vikings. And with that being said, I want to bring on our friend Theodore Glover, a Saint, is it St. Louisian man? I'm from Texas. I don't know the term. Ted, what, what is the correct term for somebody from St. Louis? First of all, would it be hola, trace, okay? Please. So uh, that's the extent of my Spanish. So you said yeah, I need to know Spanish, just knocking that out, first of all. And, and I think it's St. Louisian? St. Louisian? I don't know. I'm, well, if you don't know, then I feel comfortable not knowing. I, I'm a transplant, so we've got that going for us, which is nice. Transplantia, I see you. It's Ted Glover, everybody. Ted Glover, writer over at Daily Norseman. Uh, SB Nation community for the Vikings. You can follow him at Purple Buckeye, one word on Twitter. Ted, how are you doing tonight, man? Good. How are you guys doing? How's uh, how's Louis life bueno. in Ramsville? It bueno. could be better, Louis but it bueno? could be worse. It, 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 bueno. <laughs> we know we know how bad it can be. Believe me, the Rams know what the floor for a football team is. I'm interested in, in seeing where this Vikings team goes because. 
you guys made a lot of moves over this offseason. Uh, start with the offensive line. Um, I know that was something there were some big questions about. How do you feel about the Vikings' offensive line? Because I think that's going to be the focal point for everybody playing the Rams with our defensive uh, line and the pass rush that we offer. How comfortable are you that the Vikings are going to be able to deal with the Rams from four? Uh, you know, I, I, I don't mean this as, a, as being disrespectful to the Rams because the Rams, I think, have one of the, the top front sevens in the NFL. That said, I really like Minnesota's offensive line. They've played together for three years now. And going from left to right, you've got Matt Khalil, left tackle, Charlie Johnson, John Sullivan, Brandon Fusco, and, and Phil Lodeholt. And, and Khalil had a great rookie year, kind of slumped last year. Charlie Johnson is Charlie Johnson, you know, not, not the greatest guard in the world, but not the worst. And then on the right side, you've got, you've got Sullivan, Fusco, and Lodeholt, which are – borderline, well, either Pro Bowl or borderline Pro Bowl guys. It's a very good offensive line. And, and I, I think it, the key to Minnesota's success on Sunday, if they're going to have it, is being able to, to open up lanes for Adrian Peterson and set up a good um, uh, pocket for, for Matt Castle. I, I, think, uh, I, I think the Rams are going to get their share of pressures in a, in a two, three, maybe even four sacks. But I, I really like Minnesota – um, going up not just against the Rams' defensive line, uh, but just about any other defensive line in the NFL. That, that said, Matt Khalil kind of slumped last year. He's going to have to play uh, a lot better. He's looked a little iffy uh, in the preseason against real you know, edge speed, speed guys, and he's going to need to clean that up if, if the Vikings are going to have success. But I, I, I think they're going to be okay. Yeah, and I thought that was one of the units that's had the most uh, consistency uh, on the team, at least from the personnel chart. I think what's interesting is the similarity now where you've got a, a team that you've got a, a running back in Adrian Peterson that's, I would say, inarguably, the best running back over the last couple of years in, in the entire league. And you've got now a veteran, a guy in Matt Castle, that comes in. What are the expectations for him when you've got somebody like Teddy Bridgewater behind him? Because that's what the Rams don't have. We're leaning on Sean Hill because he was the veteran backup. You guys have the veteran starter. It's a little bit of a different situation. How's that quarterback uh, depth chart striking Vikings fans right now? You know, it's it's the first time in since what 2009 when Favre had his deal with the double year that that I'm right. comfortable with the Vikings at the quarterback position. I, I mean, I, I kind of felt that way going into the 2010 season with Favre coming back, but that fell apart pretty quick. Um, you know, Matt Castle, if you accept Matt Castle for what he is, and that's a, a, a what, 10, 11-year vet who can be good but not necessarily elite, and if you put him in situations where you're not asking him to win the game, he can be an effective quarterback. And, and we saw that at the end of last year with the Vikings. We've seen that in the preseason so far. And, and he brings a level of respectability to the quarterback position that the Vikings, quite frankly, did not have with Christian Ponder. Um, when Matt Castle, when the Vikings finally made the decision last year, at, at, towards the end of last year, the last, what, four or five games, uh, to go with Matt Castle to finish the season out, the Vikings offense looked like a legitimate NFL offense. They had uh, a respectable passing game. Greg Jennings uh, started getting yards and catches. Uh, Cordero Patterson had the, the same deal. And, and, and it was a balanced offensive attack, which is what I think at this point all Minnesota fans really want. I, I mean, it's, it's for the last three years it's been Adrian Peterson 
going up against eight and nine man fronts. And it was and it was basically look, AP, here you go. Here's the ball. And maybe if you could make it to the second level, you can get us 15 or 20 yards. That would be great. And, and it's not going to be that way anymore, and, and that's great. And for the future of the position, with Teddy Bridgewater, Minnesota fans are, are just ridiculously excited because, you know, we saw the potential that Bridgewater has in the preseason, and, and he's, he's the future of, of this franchise. I, I don't think anybody denies that fact. And when, when it becomes time for Teddy Bridgewater to play, I, I think – 31 other NFL teams are going to go, what were we thinking and not taking this kid? Interesting. Yeah, we, we had a good comment here asking about uh, the tight end position, obviously, with Kyle Rudolph. You guys have what seems like a stud, new contract. Talk about him. How, how important is he to the offense? Everybody knows Cordero Patterson and obviously the athleticism he brings, but how, how, how key is Rudolph to the, the overall offensive strategy? It's huge. Um, I First of all, you've got, you've got Patterson and you've got, you've got Jennings on the outside, and I think those guys are going to get their fair share. Uh, but with new offensive coordinator, Norv Turner, he really likes utilizing the tight end in the offenses uh, he's been in charge of in the past, both as a head coach and an offensive coordinator. And, and you get the feeling, even we've seen it in preseason, that, that Rudolph is going to be a guy that gets chunks of yards over the middle. Um, and, and the Vikings signed him to a, a pretty big contract in the offseason. It was like a, uh, I want to say, five-year extension with $36, 37000000 dollars. But it's still a very—I'm not going to go into specifics—but a very team-friendly contract. I think at most twelve million of it is guaranteed. Um, so it's it's a good contract for Rudolph if he plays to his potential, yet still uh, protects the team in case he falters. And I kind of think that's what the Vikings were looking at. We're, we're kind of we're kind of we're kind of betting that he is going to do well, but if he doesn't, we're not going to be too damaged monetarily from from this contract. And I think he's going to do really well. He's he's big, he's agile, he's got probably some of the softest hands I've seen from a tight end. He catches everything that's thrown his way. I, I just if if you haven't had your fantasy football draft yet, I'm telling you right now, Kyle Rudolph, and you're not going to be sorry. And I think that's one of the things that makes this matchup interesting is you've got two really young teams. I think you guys are the fifth youngest mm-hmm. team in the league. We've got the youngest roster. You've had some turnover on the offensive side, but it seems like the offense is the strength of that team. Would you say, would you say that's the case? Um, yeah, it's, you know, man, more just, reliable. Is that a better way to put it when you've got Adrian Peterson on your offense with the turnover that you guys have had on defense? Would you say it's a more reliable yeah. uh, side of the yeah, ball? Yeah, that's, that's yeah, that's probably more fair because there's there's a lot more questions on the defense because there's I, been so much yeah, turnover. Right. Yeah, and and it's and and there's there's a new defense being installed, there's a new offense being installed. But when you compare the two, yeah, I, I think more reliable is 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 a good way to put it because you've got more of a a leadership role at the quarterback position and and you've got more right. proven playmakers uh, and guys like Adrian Peterson and Greg Jennings and and a, and a very solid offensive line. Everything obviously starts uh, in the trenches, and the Vikings have a, have a very good and proven offensive line where we think the Vikings have a, a very good but not necessarily proven defensive line because they really haven't played together yet. Yeah, and I think that's the interesting matchup is that you've got this reliable offense. Obviously, the Rams, the, the more likable components, are certainly on the defensive side. But then you get over into the Rams' offense. We've got plenty of question marks, and uh, we're each going to be posting our Q&A series, uh, Ted and I, 
exchange with one another uh, offline for you guys just checking in. It's Ted Bubber from Daily Norseman, the SB Nation site for the Minnesota Vikings here on Turkshow Radio. Once Ted and I are finished, I'll be taking your calls if you want to holler at me. 347-857-1022. But like I'm saying, you turn over to the defensive side for the Vikings roster. There's been a lot of turnover. You've got the draft kicks, Anthony Barr, Scott Crichton, Aintonek, some my laundry getting finished. That's going to be a huge component. Um, professional podcast here with your laundry getting done. Talk to me, Ted, uh, about that defensive line. What are, what are the concerns? And let's take away the Rams part of this. When you look at the Vikings defense, when you say that it starts up front, what do you guys feel about the pass rush? How do you feel about anchoring the defense against the run with what you guys have? It's going to be a very different look for Vikings fans. I mean, let, let's face it, the last – since, what, 2008 when the Vikings traded for Jared Allen a couple days before the draft, or on draft day, I can't remember the exact timeline there, but it was right around the draft. Um, the Vikings became a guy, or became a, a defensive line that that had a premier, if not the premier pass rusher in the National Football League for five or six years. Um, that's different now. I mean, and, and the last couple of years, that, that sort of hurt the Vikings in a lot of ways because it was, well, we're going to let Jared Allen rush the quarterback, and if he gets to the guy, but if he doesn't, man, we're going to have a lot of problems. And, and Mike Zimmer's defense is a lot different, where I don't, if you followed the Bengals at all, you know, if you look at their individual defensive statistics, there's not a guy with eye-popping numbers like Allen had right. for the Vikings, you know, three or four years. But it's, it's real consistent. Everybody is right around the same. And it was one of the top defenses in the NFL. And, and this is going to be kind of the, the thing with the Vikings, at least we hope it is. And, and they got rid of Jared Allen, obviously. They got rid of Kevin Williams, who were two stalwarts on the defensive line, guys that have, you know, have been huge parts of the Vikings' success when they had success in the middle, middle part of the decade. Um, and they're gone now, and it's, and it's been completely revamped. The only guy that's left is Brian Robeson. Last year, Brian Robeson was the youngest guy on the defensive line. This year, he's the, he's the only guy – that's the returning veteran. And, and you've got Sharif Floyd, who's a second-year guy. And they signed, like you mentioned, Linval Joseph. And they re-signed Everson Griffin, who's going to take over for Jared Allen. And, and we think it's going to be a very good disruptive athletic line. But until we actually see them play a game, we're not going to really know. We think the potential is there. We, we've seen some, some good stuff in the preseason. But let's see what happens when the lights go on Sunday. And I think that maybe the interesting matchup for me, I guess you could take the Vikings offensive line against the Rams defensive line because we're putting so much stock into our unit. Uh, maybe the more interesting one is the back end of y'all's defense against the Rams wide receivers. The Rams have a bunch of question marks at wide receiver, and, and I, don't, I don't know that there's a better matchup for them early on, and this isn't meant to mean any offense, but the Vikings secondary, is, is it completely revamped? How do, how do you feel about this unit? You know, if there's if there's an area of concern, um, I would I would probably say not necessarily the starting cornerbacks because I think Xavier Rhodes and Captain Munderland, who was a a, a pretty big free agent signing, out, sure. that outside tandem is going to be pretty good. Um, when you get to the nickel and dime guys, how are they going to match up with the the third, fourth, and fifth receivers for the Rams? Quite frankly, I don't right. know. I don't think anybody knows. Um, on at, at the safety position, you've got Harrison Smith, who's a, a very good safety for the Vikings. But next to him is a guy by the name of Robert Blanton, who he played with in Notre Dame. 
Blanton is starting, I would kind of almost argue by default, because he's been the least injured of all the safeties not named Harrison Smith in training camp in the preseason. Um, that's going to be a big test for the Vikings. There's, you know, there's a couple of playmakers. Tavon Austin, for example, is a guy that didn't have a whole lot of numbers early last year, but, but he seems like a guy that, that, that can make a lot of things happen uh, for the Rams. Now, can Sean Hill get him the ball? That remains to be seen. We'll see. But this is going to be – you mentioned the, the, the Vikings offensive line against the Rams defensive, uh, defensive line. That's, that's, that's probably going to be the top matchup that I, most, most folks are going to be looking at the most. But, yeah, how, how are the Vikings uh, going to be able to cover the Rams receivers, and, and will the Vikings be able to get pressure? If they can get pressure on Sean Hill – I think it'll be a, it'll be a good day. If not, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll see what happens. That's interesting. Yeah, and I think the the hope for Rams fans is that when we talk about the passing game, that we're only talking about Sean Hill and Tavon Austin, and not offensive coordinator Schottenheimer. Usually, when Schottenheimer's name comes up, they're uh, uh, quite quite the the poor the words of poor choice usually coming from the Rams fans uh, when we bring up Schottenheimer. A couple of questions from the thread I wanted to make sure I got to. Uh, we talked about Bridgewater. Uh, wh- when do you think if there's a change, do, do you guys feel that it's coming? Is it coming after this season? Do you guys think maybe it's a midseason switch from Castle to Bridgewater? What are you guys maybe feeling is maybe the, the, the what you're hoping to happen? Let's put it like that. You know, I, that's such a good question. I've been asked that more than once, and I, I still, as much as I've thought about it, I, I don't know that there's a good answer because, because if Teddy Bridgewater comes into play, that means Matt Castle has been terrible, which most people are expecting outside of, uh, you know, which, fair enough, Matt Castle's kind of earned that reputation in Kansas City, but Matt Castle's also had a couple of Pro Bowl seasons in New England and I think either his first or second year with the Chiefs. So if Bridgewater comes in, that means that – means Castle has not been getting the job done, which means the Vikings are probably losing, which I don't want to see happen. So does, does Castle play the whole year? I I, I don't know. Does, does Castle stink? I hope not, but, but if he does, I, I, this is kind of what I hope. And I've been thinking about this and I, I kind of just had this epiphany right now as I start to come up and stall for a good answer for you. But if Castle does stink, I hope the Vikings coaching staff, does not wait for a month and a half to replace him like they did last year. It's a brand-new staff, so I don't think that will happen. If Castle is terrible against the Rams, I hope the Vikings see enough on film to say, you know what, we need to make a change right now before the season is lost as opposed to let it go to five or six weeks into the season. I, and I think if, if the Vikings fans can take anything away from, uh, from this new coaching staff, it's that they're not going to sit and be complacent with veterans who are not getting the job done like the Leslie Frazier staff of, of the last few years has. So if they make a change, I hope it's sooner rather than later, but I don't know that I necessarily want to change because that means the Vikings will be terrible. Interesting. Hey, for a rookie report, with Bridgewater then sitting until his time comes, does that mean that Anthony Barr is the only starting rookie and if so, how's he looked? Uh, right now, yeah, Anthony Barr is starting. Um, he's looked really good. He. He kind of was behind the power curve the first week and a half of training camp. He came from UCLA and, and Pac-12, at least UCLA did. Uh, they had a quarter system, so he missed a vast majority of the off, off-season stuff, off-season OTAs and, 
and I hate that rule. I'm so tired yeah. of that rule. I cannot. I, yeah, I, mean, I have zero interest in that rule. Look, if a guy's going to graduate, that's one thing. I mean, if he's going to stay there for his diploma, okay, I get it. But I, I think Barr was a uh, a, a junior, whatever. It doesn't matter. Anyways, right. Right. Um, he he was he was kind of terrible. Well, now I don't want to say terrible. He was he was behind the rest of the team the first week or so of camp. Um, but you could see up in Mankato, the Vikings coaching staff, even Mike Zimmer was doing a lot of personal one-on-one coaching with him to get him up to speed. And it paid off because he's now starting. And I'm looking at, I'm looking at the draft picks. Yeah, Crichton's not starting. He'll be in the rotation, but he's not starting. Uh, Yankee's not going to start. Uh, and Tone Exum is, is kind of in the mix at nickel uh-huh. and dime. Jabari Price is in the mix at nickel and dime. But yeah, um, Barr's going to be the only guy that's starting, and, and he's going to be—he's going to be the, uh, the the Sam linebacker on, on the right side for the Vikings, and, and he's got a lot of raw talent. And if they've got him coached up to where they're comfortable with him starting, uh, he could be a, a, a big difference maker on Sunday. Good stuff. Hey, Ted, last question, man, because I know we got through most of the questions on the thread. I know you're excited as I am to have football back. What, what do you expect out of the Vikings this year? And you can be open-ended, whether you want to offer a win-loss record, if you want to say, I think by the end of the year, this guy's improved, this guy's gone, we need – these are positional needs. How, how do you feel about where this team's headed, and where do you think, if you're talking about the Minnesota Vikings four months from now, what are you talking about? I, I think this team has the potential to go to the playoffs. I, I've, I've declaratively said they're going to the playoffs – before and I, I'm not going to back off from that. I mean, I, I look at how bad this team was last year, and and they were they were five ten and one. And Bill Parcells famously said, "You are what your record says you are." But when you dig a little bit deeper, with a historically bad defense from a franchise pers- perspective, and they were, and with horrible franchise worst quarterback play, which they've had uh, with Christian Ponder for a good part of 2013, at five ten and one, the Vikings blew five leads within the last 30 seconds of the game. If, if they are that competitive again this year, they're not going to blow that many leads again. They're just, they're just not. Their defense is going to be better simply for the fact it can't be worse, and they've upgraded just about at every position, um, from the front four to the linebackers. Secondary is still kind of spotty, but it's better. I think it's, it's going to be better, especially with Captain Munderland. Um, their quarterback play, I think, with Castle – working for Norv Turner at the offensive coordinator position, he's going to be around big average. And that, I mean, that is like a revelation for Vikings fans. We haven't had that in years. If the Vikings can just have a respectable quarterback that can make defenses um, game plan for what we call the forward pass in the NFL, this is going to be a good offense because you've got guys like Jennings and Cordell Patterson on the outside going to be able to open things up for Adrian Peterson and there's no reason. I know they've got a tough schedule early, but if they can come out of that first five or six games at three and two or three and three, the schedule really opens up for them uh, to be able to do some damage late in the year. I, I don't see why this team can't go to the playoffs. They have a brand new attitude. They've got a, a coach that has waited his entire life uh, for this one shot at being a head coach, and I think he's going to make the absolute most of it. I, I would be stunned if the Vikings don't make the playoffs they are definitely going to be in the playoff hunt until the very end of the season. Good stuff. Strong take, Ted. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for coming on, everybody. Ted Glover, 
from Daily Norseman. Your Twitter follow is Purple Buckeye. Ted, thanks for the time, man. Hey, thanks for having me on. I had a great time. Hope to do it again. Good stuff. Take over, everybody. Give them a follow on Twitter. Great interview. Good to, it, it, the game's interesting, man. There's a lot of counter narratives. I, th- I think part of it is you've got two young teams that are trying to figure out how, how do you get to success. And, you know, Minnesota had a five-win season last year in the division that didn't have great record. Green Bay won the division with eight wins. Um, I, I think the difficulty is they've got a lot of pieces that they brought in as veterans and a lot of young talent when you talk about Teddy Bridgewater, when you've got a Corderell Patterson, when you've got Anthony Barr, you know, a full rookie class. You've got some rookie picks, but they're kind of pairing that with other veterans. The Rams have gone, obviously, incredibly young as the youngest team in the league. It's just a matter of how do you find the consistency throughout the season. And I think for Minnesota, it's interesting. They've got almost a bye week midseason. They've got nine games uh, prior to their bye week. So they get a chance to really develop an early flow in, against St. Louis. They've got a chance to get it started. They've got to bring in New England and Minnesota in week two. Then they've got New Orleans, Atlanta when they swing through the south and bring it back home for week four against Atlanta. And then they travel to Green Bay to start the division. So I'm interested to see how they do early on. I know Ted said, you know, it's a team that's built to maybe really drive things home at the end of the season. I'm interested in these first couple of weeks for them to see how do things look in Castle because, as he mentioned, if things uh, turn south, it's going to be Teddy Bridgewater's show. We do have a couple callers I want to bring you all on in just a sec. One thing I want to bring in is the topic of the night. I talked about those keys to the game, field position, turnovers, and the overall coaching. Uh, what I want to know from the callers tonight, and this will be kind of the opening and easy way for you guys to segue into whatever you all want to talk about, is who is your key player for the game? I've got a couple nominees. Uh, Kayvon Austin is obviously going to be an easy pick. Sean Hill at quarterback, Zach Stacy. But on the offensive side, I'm going to pick Jake Long. I think you saw the problem when you risked your quarterback's health by not having the consistency in the pass-blocking game. And now we're out without Sam Bradford for the entirety of the 2014 season. You can't afford to do that again with Sean Hill because at that point you're scraping the bottom of the barrel, whether it's Austin Davis, Chase Keenum. There's a reason why nobody expects those guys to ever start or play a bunch of time in the NFL you, and for the Rams in the position that they are and the hopes that they have for a successful competitive season in the NFC West, the best division in football, you can't leave these games in the hands of guys like that. I go back to the Monday night football game uh, the week after the Rams lost Sam Bradford and the loss to Carolina. And you get to the end of the game, Zach Stacy has this coming out party on Monday night football. You get down to the goal line, the game's ending. You, it's fourth down. You got one shot. You get one play left to do it. And you put the game in the hands of Kellen Clements. Now, I criticize that because Zach Stacy was having a good game. I also criticize it because I never want the game in Kellen Clemens' hands. And as, as, as much as we talk about Sean Hill as being a solid guy, as being somebody that can avoid mistakes and just allow the Rams to win games in other departments, I worry about when the Rams are down two points. Uh, when the other team kicks a field goal and they kick off to us, it's a two-minute warning, and all you have to do is march down and get a field goal. You're asking Sean Hill to get it done for you, Sean Hill to get it done for you. And I worry that it only gets worse if 
Sean Hill misses an extended amount of time. So on the offensive side, I'm taking Jake Long. On the defensive side, I'm going to take Aaron Donald. You've got injuries to Michael Brockers and Kendall Langford nursing some ankle injuries. I think that's going to uh, offer the opportunity for Donald to get a couple more snaps than maybe we would have predicted, let's say, right after the draft. But I could also see if you want to take a wild card and maybe somebody like Alec Ogletree or somebody from the secondary to really step up. Obviously, LaMarcus Joyner is going to be fun to watch in his first NFL game. Interested to know what you guys think about that. And I'll get to the college stuff at the end of the show, but I want to take some callers. First caller coming in from the 918, I think that's Oklahoma territory. What's going on? You're on Terso Radio. Uh, yeah, this is Free Wheeler. Uh, What's up, free? I mean, you, you know, hey. usually we get you on at the beginning of the show, man. I'm trying to keep to a more disciplined format this year and bringing callers after the guests. Cool. What's going on, bro? That's cool. Not much. Long time no here. Glad you're uh, back on the air, and I'm glad football's finally here. Man, I'm so Hell glad. Yes. Uh, I'm really disappointed in what happened to Bradford, to be frank with you. I'm not surprised. Sure. Uh, the first time he was drafted to the Rams, I'm going, oh, hell no. It's going to ruin his career. Uh, they have a history of eating quarterbacks alive. But not, now I am a fan of the Rams. Don't don't get me wrong. So I'm going to look forward here. And Sean Hill, as much as I hate saying it, is the starting quarterback. He was a backup for most of his career for a reason. Um and I quarterback star of the league. So my question is, it's really a two-part question. Um, the defenses are going to stack eight or nine in a box because they know what the first, what the Rams are going to do. One. Because mm-hmm. uh, Schottenheimer's philosophy is run if it doesn't work, run if it works, run again if it doesn't work again. Uh, with a couple of short passes. So here's my – now – he was starting to show with Bradford the ability to call, which is rare, the uh, long bombs. And Bradford, despite if you can say, well, he's injury prone and blah, 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 but he can throw the long bombs on a constant basis. Can you say the same about Hill? Can well, he here, here's, what, here's, what I, here's what I would ask. Here's what I would ask. Is, is, does it come down to – it being about Sean Hill, or is this when the, wide, the the St. Louis Rams wide receivers need to step up? When you've got a Brian Quick, who was drafted by this regime entering year three, Tavon Austin, a top ten pick who's supposed to be a superstar, a guy in Austin Pettis, who's your glue guy and has been kept around when the Rams have turned over almost the entirety of the roster. Kenny Britt, a free agent that they went and picked out and brought in despite – a, a litany of off-field transgressions, I poppy among them. And then, obviously, you've got Stedman Bailey coming back in week five. Is it going to be about Sean Hill, or is it going to be about the wide receivers where they need to step up and make the game a little bit more explosive and easier for Sean Hill? Because, as you mentioned, and I'm sure as people have figured out, Sean Hill, Sean Hill. Is it a wide receiver thing? Is it, If I had to ask your key player on the offense, are you taking Sean Hill or are you taking a wide receiver? I'm picking uh... – as a key, it's got to be Sean Hill because the quarterback position man. is so important. It is not even funny. Um, that's why teams and coaches game plan around the quarterback. Uh, that's why other teams like the New, England, well, the New England Patriots are a system, and they have a perfect quarterback to run that system, and, that, and that's Tom Brady. 
Same thing with Peyton Manning. Same thing with any starting quarterback. Um, our starting quarterback went down. Sean Hill is a backup. The, the, the offense was not meant for Sean Hill. Uh, that's why I'm saying you can have the receivers do whatever they do. They do need to step up. That's not a question. They do. But the problem is, will they have the same rhythm with Sean Hill as they did with uh, Bradford? Will they? Uh, will Sean Hill be able to catch, or to not not catch? Excuse me, to throw the long bomb on a constant basis? And will Sean? Because defenses are not afraid of the intermediate short passes. Okay, they're not. The long bomb is going to what is going to put them on their toes. Can he deliver on a constant basis? And will Schoenheimer, and this is the ultimate question, the ultimate important question, because no matter how good your receivers are, no matter how great your quarterback is, if all your your uh, um, offensive coordinator is going to call, like he has a history of doing with the Rams and some with the Jets, um, if all he's going to call is short passes and running – with maybe one long bomb in between if he's lucky, what's the point of – of what's the point of, of that? It's going to be because interesting to see, man. And that's what I'm afraid. No, so it's going to bring us down to a five games. We're going to win five games, and then that's it. Forget the division, winning the division, let alone sniffing the playoffs. That's my opinion. There you go. Anyway. <laughs> give, give me this. Give me, give me your prediction for the game. What's the final score? Oh, with the final score, including our defense, now our defense is going to be awesome. That's a big question. Do they get Greg Zerline some more opportunities? Yeah, um, possibly. So I'm going to say uh, 30. No, not even 30. It's going to be uh, close, I think. It's 20, 20 to 20 to um, – 10, probably. I don't know. 20 to 10. I'll take close. it, man. We'll mark it down. We'll, we'll mark it down. It'll count. <laughs> hey, Will, thanks for calling in, man. We appreciate it, brothers. Have a good one, man. Thanks, Will. Good stuff from Will, 2010. That's a win. Hey, from the 714, second guest on Turk Show Radio. Again, tonight, numbers 347-857-1022. If you want to call in, we got plenty of time left uh, from the 714. You're on Turk Show Radio. What's up? Uh, nothing much. How you doing, brother? Who's this? This is Christian from uh, actually from Las Vegas. How you doing, man? From Vegas. Hey, what's up, man? You got a Churchill Times handle? Uh, no, I don't. Oh, yeah, actually, what? I do, but I, I I don't know it off the top of my head. I'm sorry, brother. I got so, so good, many man. handles, I don't know. Um, it's all good. My, we, wanna, we love our lurkers all the same. What's going on, man? I want to I want to chime in on um, you know Sean Hill and uh, the bashing of Schottenheimer. Schottenheimer's sure. not the greatest offense. He's not the greatest offensive coordinator by any stretch of the imagination. But well, oh, well, strong words. You got to be careful. Don't offend all of Rams Nation when you come in saying, "Listen, Baby I, I don't Jesus care who I, 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 I don't care who I offend. I've been a Rams fan since 1976, so I don't care. That's I know more about the Rams than most people. So there he's not go. the greatest greatest uh, offensive coordinator. But look what we've had to work with. Absolutely nothing in the way of uh, deep threat physical wide receivers over the last few years. Uh, if, as you've mm-hmm. seen in the the preseason here, 
our physicalness in the wide receiver area is getting a lot better. So you'll see more intermediate 12 to 13, 14-yard passes this year. Stedman Bailey is going to be the key this year. When he comes back, you're going to see a lot of chain movement based off of 12-yard comebacks. He'll be the safety blanket for Sean Hill. Um, If you're looking for Sean Hill to throw, you know, 35 touchdowns this year, that's not going to happen. We're built for one thing and one thing only, defense, running, and all Sean Hill has to do is throw about 25 touchdowns, eight interceptions, and about 3,100 yards. We're not asking for a lot. Roughly about 200 yards a game, one and a half touchdowns a game. Just be completely efficient and, and not make a whole lot of mistakes. The, the defense is going to win a lot of games for us. Uh, we've got a good running game. I, I'm not really sold on um, Benny Cunningham. Uh, he's okay, but who I really do like is I like Trey Watts. Trey Watts is that third down back that comes out of the backfield and you throw a short little pass to and he's going to run. Plus Alex Bear, by the end of the year, Alex Bear will be our number two, uh, our, our number two tight end. The guy caught everything that was thrown to him in the preseason. The guy shows. So you're, being, you're biting hard on the preseason. Uh, I'm not biting hard on the preseason. I'm biting hard on what someone who had a chance did. Uh, you know, look at Alex Bear. You, you throw anything near the guy, he caught it. The, the one thing I have a, a knock on on Cook, Cook doesn't catch any of the hard passes. He never has and he never will. He's not an effort guy. Alex Bear is an undrafted free agent who has effort. You, I, I will call back at the end of the year and I'll, you can say, Christian, you were right at, at the beginning of the year when you said that Alex Bear was going to be our number two guy. Uh, by the end of the year, it's going to be the Alex Bear Stedman Bailey, probably, I would say it's going to be Kenny Brett. Those are going to be our three top guys, and you're going to see a lot of the Trey Watts coming out of the backfield. So it's, it, you're, you're going to ask Sean Hill to just be a proficient quarterback. If you look at what Seattle did two years ago, they made the playoffs, and they, went, they, beat, um, they won their first game. And all, uh, all Russell Wilson did his first year as a quarterback, he was very efficient. But he threw 26 touchdown passes, 10 interceptions, 3,100 yards. Those, those are pedestrian numbers at best. It averages out to 194 yards a game passing, one and a half touchdowns. It's defense and running. We're built for what? Defense and running. So, I think Sean Hill. I think Sean Hill is fine. And it, Believe it or not, I'm a believer in Case Keenum. If you watch that kid in college and what he did last year, even in eight losses, the guy throws the ball hard all over the field. You give him a couple of years in a decent system and someone that can mentor him, he was thrown to the wolves last year. The kid, I'm not saying the kid's our savior, but he could be something in the next couple of years. And let's face it, Sam Bradford's done with us. Unless he renegotiates his contract, he's done. Because Houston sent the benchmark today at $100 million. So we're going to have to give $100 million in 2015, or actually 2016, to Robert Quinn. We've got him locked up next year on a fifth year for, I think it's 8.2 mil. But we're going to have to give him a long-term contract. So we can't afford a quarterback that's going to cost us $17 million and a DN that's going to cost us $18 million a year. So, you know, bye-bye, Sam. You know, so I liked Sam. I thought we'd give him a good, uh, good time. You know, he, he just didn't work out, and we move on. I don't uh, – you can win in this league with a pedestrian quarterback that doesn't make a lot of mistakes. So, it, I don't, think that's don't a big like question. the season up. 
Sure. I think that's a big question is, hey, can we get that out of uh, Sean Hill and how long is it going to take? Of course. What do you think about Sunday? What do you think, uh, if you had to make a prediction, do you think that we can reach that game plan early on as, as, since he's a veteran, since he's going to be able to do it? Yeah, 21-13. 21-13. I like it. Similar to free. 21-13. Yeah. yeah. If we have a great game, it'll be 28-13. I see two turnovers. I see the differential, differential being two turnovers by the Rams. One of them returned deep into our uh, deep into their zone, and we punch in a quick touchdown. That's what I see the difference being right off the bat. And then I see a lot of running. And the late Let's interception to steal again. Absolutely, I'd, I'd love it. Hey, Christian, thanks for calling, man. No problem, buddy. You have a good day. Hey, thanks. You too, man. Good stuff. That's a, that's a lot of takes from Christian. Then he covered everything. I, I would say this: the idea. And I find it interesting. We're coming out of the preseason. I know these are the guys that have gotten a lot of the emphasis, but the idea a month and a half ago that you're going to be pointing to Trey Watts, Alex Bayer, and Case Keenum as being guys that can come into your team and succeed uh, was the last thing I think anybody was thinking of. Uh, Last year we did have the Kellen Clemens alarm resurrected that a, a, a bit. Uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and make it the Case Keenum alarm. Let's go ahead and sound it for the first time. 2014 season, it's the Case Keenum nuclear alarm. I need everybody to go to your football shelters. You need to have canned goods. It's going to be a long year. It's going to be a long year. Filter your water. Charcoal filters. Everybody. The Case Keenum alarm. From now on, I'm just going to sound the alarm. I'm not even going to call it what it is. Uh, one more caller. It looks like I want to squeeze in before we close out the show tonight from the 501. What's going on? You're on Turf Show Radio. If you're going to mention Case Kingdom, just let me know up front, and I'll play the alarm now. What's up? Hello? From the 501 Nervous Wrestler. What's going on, man? Case Kingdom. You there? Oh, who is this? Who is this? Can you hear me? Uh, uh, who is this? I was looking for a sexy co-host. Who is this? <laughs> What's going on? I had to pop on, a couple man? mollies, up, man, you know. I'm going to hang around with you for too much. How you, don't know, how you don't know your own phone? Come on, man. You should have been ready. You should have had a script. You should have had a first line. You should have had a set up. You should have uh, been ready to go. Kev, what's going on, hey, man? You know, hey, it's Kevin you know what I've been wondering? Night. You know what I've been wondering, Joe? Joe? What? All what's the that? times you host this show, how do you know a zip code everybody's calling from? I, mean, I get to 501. You know, that's Arkansas because I call like 80 times a day. Call your house 80 times a day. But how do you know? Like you said, 981 Oklahoma. I'm curious. No, I'm, I'm from these things. Yeah, I'm from the defense. I know, I know a lot more than your phone number, sir. Oh. Let's just leave, let's oh. just leave it to that. I know, I, know who, I know who you oh. are. I'll tell you this. Okay, what you were doing on Saturday, uh, what you were doing on Saturday at about 1020, don't, I don't want to see you ever do that again. You should be ashamed. You should be ashamed. I'm glad you, I'm gonna write your mama I'm glad a letter. You what, tell her. I'm glad you didn't see what happened on Sunday then. You, you, you sick bastard. What is, oh, my God. How dare you? <laughs> Let's switch topics, man. Let's talk, about, let's talk about the Rams. What's going on, man? How do you feel, bro? How do you, you were an Isaiah Peed fan. You were a Sammy B fan. The Rams <laughs> offense it is not entirely remade, but you got a lot of new components. You've got a lot of guys that are going to need to step up. How do you feel about this offense, bro? You know what? I think the offense is going to ride or die with whatever Kenny Britt and his sidekick Brian Quick does this year. I mean, we could we could say Zach Stacy. Like, honestly, 
Zach Stacy didn't look good to me. Did he look good to you in the preseason? He struggled in the preseason. The thing I said a lot was that he played with the unit that was struggling the most, the, the starting offensive line. Uh, the backups were getting a lot more room to work. Now, that concerns me that the starting offensive line that we're looking at anchoring a run-first offense struggled to open up holes consistently. I think part of the problem was you had Jake Long coming off an injury. You had Greg Robinson playing multiple positions. They lost Barrett Jones. So there was a lot of personnel shifting, but certainly the run blocking was better deeper down in the in the play chart. And I think you saw that uh, a bit with Trey Mason and Trey Watts. I think the the good thing is in Minnesota you get a unit that's not that strong up front. Uh, Ted alluded to this, that they're hoping to improve, and obviously the secondary is where they needed the most improvement, but it wasn't a dominating defensive line like they had been with both Williamses and Jared Allen a while back. I, I think that's a good thing. So, no, the preseason didn't fill me with a lot of optimism with Zach Stacy. but I would say this. I would say last year's regular season counts a hell of a lot more than this year's preseason in terms of what – uh, in terms of what I'm looking for. And, you know, I think the same thing. You know, I I think the Zach Stacy playing with 1,000 yards this year and hopefully more since he's on my fantasy team. And Benny Cunningham should have a good amount of carries since, you know, Zach Stacy was nicked up a few times last year. So you could kind of – it's it's kind of hard not to think that, oh, well, he won't miss a game this year and he'll right. probably play all 16 games. You know, it's – Talk to me, think about that. But I think Benny Cunningham should be a valuable backup. But like I said earlier, man, you know, I think we just gonna ride it down with Brian Quinn and Kenny Britt, and if they're good, that's great. We're, we're probably gonna win some games. Yeah, and not I good. Think those are the two guys. No, go ahead, finish it. Yeah, if they're not good, I mean, you could say, hey, Stephen Bailey can. Come in and you you know I'm a Stephen Bailey fan. I like what I like what he's showing, but can you can you bet on him to do that for a whole season for more than a game, or will he just keep flashing and flashing? Chris Gibbons, I mean it's kind of hard with him because he looked good the last couple games of preseason, but that was against backups, and you know it's kind of right. sad since he was a starter last year and now he's in the back of the back, right above Austin Pettis, who's going to be the next one to get chopped off if need be. So it's be. kind of concerning because it's like, hey, this, this is what I go back to. When the Rams were playing the Seahawks, and we basically knew that the Rams weren't going to win, but the whole time everybody was saying, hey, well, I forgot how many yards Sex Stacey needed, like 40, 50 to get 1,000 yards. Like, hey, at least he's going to get 1,000 yards. I think he ended the game with less than 30. So it's like, well, the Rams could keep trying to run and run and run, but until our opponents could respect the pass, you know, we're we're not gonna win any games. And I know it's gonna be hard to pass with Sean Hill. You know, he looked good in preseason, but Blank Gabbert looked good in preseason before. So I don't know how much stock you could put into preseason offense. I don't know. Like I said, if I'm hoping I'm hoping Brian Quick finally hit the flitz and he he looked good. I am He had a strong preseason, and I think that was the, my big question. I kind of alluded it to it when Free Will was on: is how how much of this is going to be on Sean Hill, and how much of this is the wide receivers? I think the, the Rams have been so lacking for a guy that they know if it's third and five that you can pretty much throw a ball up, you know, 
10 yards downfield for a, for a corner post or a sideline post and know that 80% of the time he's going to catch it, or let's say 70% and 30% of the time it's going to go incomplete, they haven't had a guy like that. You can't really trust Stedman Bailey because Stedman Bailey ain't going to win any jump balls. He's shorter than most of the corners a lot of the time that he'll be going up against. Uh, and I wonder, you know, if it's just Brian Quick and Kenny Britt do they get on the field at the same time? That's, that's really going to be interesting to me is to see how they work through the personnel uh, at wide receiver, especially early on. Uh, you got to assume that they're going to want to get Zach Stacey a healthy number of carries in the first half. you got to assume that they're going to try to force-feed Tavon in a couple spots. Hopefully the defense can get uh, off the field quickly because I think the, the more snaps that we get out of the offense in this game, the better. Uh, I think they need more work. Remember, we've only got three games before the bye week, uh, and that's something I, I, I want to talk about next week on Tertial Radio and probably on the site either tomorrow or uh, Thursday before we get into the game-specific stuff, is you've got this three-game stretch here. And, and on one hand, you want to get the defense, you know, if we're talking about the defense as maybe being a top-ten unit because of the strength of the line, the talent's going to bring them close. The talent's too good. The wide receivers and the offense writ large is the unit that really needs to find a rhythm. And, you know, when you get a bye week after three games and then you go into the octet of pain, I don't know, man. It's a big question mark. I am glad that it's the Vikings first because I think that gives us an opportunity to maybe ease into the season. But remember a couple of years ago we played the Vikings in week 15 hoping to make that playoff push, and they, they destroyed us in the first half. So I'm yeah, not they sure. Pushed what do you us. think in terms of a pre- – go ahead, go ahead. I said, yeah, they put the Vikings pushed us back. I remember that game. It was pretty bad. Yeah, was yes, sir. Hey, but let's put it. Well, like I was going to ask you. Like, go ahead. Oh, ask, ask away. I was going to ask you. What What do you think about Jared Cook? Because I don't think he had a catch. Well, he might have had a catch his preseason. He, he, yeah. he was kind of quiet. Yeah, he had that one early. Remember, he was adjusting with Sean Hill when Sean Hill tried to throw it to him to get him to settle into that zone spot and Jared Cook, it was a nice adjustment, but it's a preseason catch. I think the thing for Jared Cook is he's got to find a way to be relevant on a more consistent basis. We had some flashes from Cook last year, but he's somebody that needs to have a catch a half at a minimum to be able to to close down the seam because when you close down the seam, what that does is tighten up linebackers. The linebackers are the only ones can get to the seam pass, and that's the whole point. It's interesting to see. I mean, part of that goes into the game planning. How much does Schottenheimer want to really, really make that a point of emphasis when you've got all these other targets that you can use? I'm not sure what the right answer is. I guess part of it is to see, are the linebackers relaxing too much at the front and playing kind of that short passing game, running game uh, positioning where they know that that's where the Rams want to work and they know that's where they're best situated as opposed to sitting back a little bit deeper because they know they're going to have to be able to play some balls that are going in between them and the safeties. It's a big question, man. It's a big question. And you could could argue that the tight ends have been the most under-discussed position uh, outside of kicker and punter on the entire Rams team. And I think Greg Zerline, I really really think that storyline is going to be one of the bigger ones that hasn't gotten a lot of love over the offseason, because if you go back to Greg Zerline's rookie year, he could change games. He could change games. And when, when you have an opportunity to do that from the kicking position, uh, I think that's huge. I think the problem was last year the offense was so anemic, whether it was because of penalties or whether because you got three and out on your own side of the half, they just didn't get Greg Zerline enough opportunities. That's got to change in 2014. The question, I guess, for you would be, does that start with week one? How, how do you feel about this game? What do you think the score is? What do you, what, what do you want to see out of the Rams in week one besides the win? 
you know, honestly, I want to see an offense. Like, it's been so long since we just had a relevant offense. Not even a top ten offense, an offense that could right. move, you know, offense that could just move down the field, get first downs. Don't have to worry about run, run, throw for five yards and not get the first down. I think that's what's most frustrating to think about it. And you know, it, it kind of sucks because it looked like you know Sam Bradford was gonna break out of his shell and he wasn't checking down and he was looking. I'm getting the press talking. I don't want to talk about it no more. But yeah, you know the offense. <laughs> The, the offense is the biggest thing. I mean, we can say we expect Zach Stacy to do this, and we expect Brian Quick and Kenny Britt to do this, and we expect the quarterback to do this. But you know, we we've been through that. Like 2012, we expected that. 2013, we expected that. So I think if the Rams want to be a good team, you know, eight wins, seven wins, it's gonna have to start with the offense because. If the defense is going to be pretty good, but if the offense can't move down the field and get the defense off the field, then defense is going to look bad. And everybody's going to say, oh, what happened to the Rams' great defense? They're bad now. And, you know, it's probably going to be because, hey, we're tired, and it's like 30 to 7, and Sean Hill threw two interceptions, and we know we're going to lose, so why play hard? So, yeah, you know, I expect, I expect the Rams to win this week, hopefully by – Hopefully by seven seven points, but you know, <clears throat> you you even say it'll be a blowout. But nobody knows what Sean Hill we gonna get. We really don't know who the real Sean Hill is. So it's gonna be it's gonna be hard. We basically gonna roll with what Sean Hill gives us. Will the real Sean Hill please send out good stuff, Teve? Thanks for phone number. Hey, no problem, man. Have a good one. Tim Brown, everybody is T underscore B R O N on Twitter. You got to follow Ted, man. He's a good Twitter follow. Uh, like, like I alluded to, I think the the key here is not just the fact that it's, you know, the NFL regular season. You got 16 opportunities to put yourself in position to make the postseason. It's this three-game stretch for the Rams. You got Minnesota at home, then you travel to Tampa, come back home to face the Cowboys, uh, who have given the Rams some serious problems over the last couple of years. You've you, you got to get off on the right foot. You've got that eight-game stretch after the bye week. Seven of those games are against playoff teams. Here's the teams. Here's, here's the way the oop goes, the octet of pain. Philadelphia, San Francisco, Seattle, Kansas City, San Francisco, Arizona, Denver, San Diego. That's brutal. The only non-playoff team in that stretch is Arizona, and the game is at Arizona. They won 10 games last year. That is a brutal eight-game stretch. You've got to get some wins out of these first three. I mean, it'd be great to go 3-0. That's incredibly optimistic. But I would think you, if you don't want to have the toughest situation that you can face, you've got to get two wins. Because if you, if you don't get two wins, you're having to get wins out of the octet of pain to stay in the playoff line. If you can get your two wins, and maybe three, but if you can get two wins out of this, you can drop some games, especially those some of those road games, and you still got the back end of the of the schedule with Oakland, Washington, another Arizona, another Seattle, but the New York game in Week 16 that are winnable, and, and you can put yourself to make a late season push and maybe sneak off a game uh, at Seattle Week 17. You've got Arizona at home. Anytime you got a team coming to your place that you'd like to think it's a winnable game, you just can't put yourself in a position where you've got to pull games out of the octet of pain. I think if you can get two wins early on, get to the oops, sneak a couple off, and then make that late push, I think that's the recipe for the Rams to make the playoffs. The question is, where do you get those two wins out of the first three? Two home games in Minnesota and Dallas, 
But you travel to Tampa Bay, and I think that's a beatable team. That's the 4 o'clock game. Minnesota's at 1. Uh, that's Eastern time, obviously, noon Central. So everybody's going to have their reminder set. Nobody's going to miss football. It's week one. It's back. You just got to get into your groove. We've all got our grooves, right? Whatever you do, you wake up, have your breakfast, maybe wake up, have some aspirin, go to church, don't go to church, avoid church, whatever your pregame show is, your pregame ritual, it's time to revive it, man. Football's back. It's good stuff. Uh, one thing I am excited to talk about this year, and everybody knows this, is the draft, 2015 NFL draft. is only seven months away, so or I guess eight months away now that they pushed it a little bit further. So everybody want to mark down your calendars eight months from now. Don't forget about the draft. You would hate that you would hate to just wake up. Oh, was the draft last night? I didn't he- oh, I didn't even hear about it. Forgot. Um and obviously with Sam Bradford out, we're gonna be looking at quarterback. The position battles I think are interesting in terms of where do the Rams need to improve this team. We've got to see throughout the season where we're getting what we need. I think there's a couple that are obvious when you talk about the potential for injuries on the offensive line and the lack of depth there. Uh, obviously that's a position you, you might need to strengthen. Part of that, though, depends on Greg Robinson's maturation. You've got a number two picker you're trying to bring along with the talent to be something special. Maybe it's not offensive tackle. Maybe it's not guard. Who knows? Uh, you've still got wide receiver. We'll have to see how that, fun, uh, how, how that breaks down, but that could be a successful unit. Maybe that, maybe that doesn't have the priority that it has in years past when the Rams have spent some capital at wide receiver. Quarterback stands out. I think tight end maybe is a wild card for me, though. When you've got a guy like Jared Cook, and we, we, you're talking about the amount of money that you poured into this guy as a free agent, you need to see some production. And if the Rams aren't getting it this year, They've still got Lance Kendricks as kind of the blocking option at tight end, but it's the modern NFL. You'd like to have a receiver threat. Alex Bayer coming in as a UDFA is nice, but I don't know that I'm as positive as Christian was when he called in earlier that he's going to be somebody that can come in that you can rely upon in big game situations when you've got the starters out there. I don't know that I'm that confident in Bayer. Uh, so maybe the Rams are looking at a, a top tight end. Uh, on the defensive side, things are obviously a, a bit stronger. We'll have to see what the secondary. Now you've got an injury to Trumaine Johnson to worry about if, if that becomes something that hampers him throughout the season. Uh, the back end of the cornerbacks don't look all that strong. And then obviously a safety next to uh, TJ McDonald. We'll have to see if Maurice Alexander develops into that guy. But maybe that's a spot that's open. I think what's interesting, though, is that you've got a lot of different styles uh, coming through college. And it started off in the, in the very first, well, I guess technically not the very first game, so shout-out to Georgia State and Abilene Christian for ruining that fun fact. Uh was the Texas A&M-South Carolina game, 21 against number nine. A lot of people turned into South Carolina as being a, de- a decent defense with some offensive firepower, but the storyline was Kenny Hill, Kenny Trill himself. 52 points for A&M, the passing record for the most yards. Really, really interested to see what he does. Now, the difference was last year when you had Manziel and Mike Evans at wide receiver, you had two guys who were draft eligible and obviously came out. This time, though, a lot of young guys. You talk about Ricky Seals-Jones, Speedy Noel. They've got, they've got some wide receivers that aren't going to be draft eligible. So uh, as, as good as that offense is and as fun as it is to watch, there's not a, not, not a ton that you can pull from it. What you can pull is along that offensive line, uh, and that's where they got a lot of talent. Cedric Oltaboy and Jermaine Afidi. Uh, on the offensive line. Mike Matthews, too. Mike Matthews, uh, if you didn't watch the game, Mike Matthews is the brother of Jake Matthews or Bruce Matthews or Clay Matthews. I don't know. I have no idea how these guys are related anymore. I think they're all half-cousins, half-brothers, 
I don't know what the shit is up with that family tree, uh, but he's in it. He's a branch of that tree, Mike Matthews starting center. Um, so you definitely want to get some A&M uh, in your viewing schedule this season. It's going to take them a little bit probably to come back to the national narrative because they got some cakewalks for the next couple of weeks. they got Lamar coming up uh, this week. Then they got Rice and SMU. They're going to stomp all those. They probably should get by Arkansas pretty easily. The Mississippi State might be an underrated game in early October. So you're talking about looking ahead about a month and a half before Texas A&M really comes back on the scene. The thing is, they've got a chance to be 6-0 and going into the crux of their SEC play, at which point they've got number 15 Ole Miss, number 2 Alabama, UL Monroe, number 5 Auburn, number 24 Missouri, and number 12 LSU. So they've got five out of six games at the back end are ranked in the top 25 right now, including three in the top 12. That's uh, – we talk about the oop, but that's a pretty brutal sextet. Um, yeah, I said it. Um, but that was the early game. You had the Ole Miss boys instead. I'm just going through the watch list. And obviously, stay tuned. i got another watch list coming out. got uh, four games this week uh, you're going to want to catch. Saturday action was a little bit disappointing. I, I thought the UCLA game was fun, but uh, that offensive line for UCLA just looked really, really poor. Now, they were all on the road and dealing with a Virginia crowd that was kind of hyped up. I think they're an underrated team, Virginia is. They, they had everything fall out. Everything went wrong for them last year. I think this could be a good bounce back, and I think the final scoreline indicates that when you only lose by eight points as an unranked Virginia team to UCLA, who was ranked number seven. Uh, but that offensive line struggled, and I think that affected some perceptions of Brett Conley, the quarterback for UCLA. A lot of people have him as a dark horse, uh, early first-round option. And so Rams fans looking for a potential quarterback, see somebody that you want to maybe spend some time looking at. Uh, the big games, though, came later on. Obviously, Alabama uh, didn't look as dominant against West Virginia. They're completely stacked. Check the watch list again if you didn't get the prospects. You had the two double-ranked games with number 12 Georgia, 16 Clemson, and Georgia just uh, – Brian Schottenheimer was somewhere getting night sweats thinking about how effective that Georgia running game was with Todd Gurley. I think everybody knows my views on the first-round running back, but uh, I don't know. If you're, if you're a playoff team and you don't have a running back, it's kind of difficult to see how, uh, how every single one of those, maybe four or five, could upgrade running back from whoever makes it in the playoff this year would pass over Todd Gurley. And then you had the late games, LSU-Wisconsin, that was number 13-14. LSU started off really slow but was able to come back and get the win. It, it was a tough game. I think Wisconsin gets a little bit less love than they should. Uh, we're going to have to see with LSU. There are, LSU is a really, really young team. they got a ton of talent that isn't draft eligible that's going to be out on the field. Uh, but that offensive line was a bit disappointing, and that's uh, what concerned me because they got a bunch of guys from LSU that can come in uh, immediately to the league. And guys that I expected to have an impact that I'm kind of looking at from a Rams perspective, guys like Lyle Collins, with Alexander, Gerald Hawkins is a redshirt sophomore. Um, so you got tackles, you got interior depth, a lot of guys there. Uh, moving ahead to week two of the college game, if you're tracking this for the NFL draft, there's not a ton uh, early on in week two the way that you had, obviously, the A&M South Carolina game on Thursday. You've got Arizona, Texas, San Antonio on Thursday. Nobody's going to watch that. Uh, you got Pittsburgh, Boston College. Uh, I've got to have that on the watch list, but there's just not a ton there. Pittsburgh does have some talent, though, especially early uh, in their roster. Saturday is not a ton uh, going on. The games that I picked out was USC-Stanford. Nice early pack battle. I didn't even pick, I don't think, anything from the noon games. I just skipped all of those. Um, it's number 14 at number 13. Obviously, plenty of talent between USC-Stanford. Probably got about 40 guys, uh, 30 guys. 
targeted, so the NFL in there. If you're looking for the big names, the one I would point to would obviously be Leonard Williams on the USC defensive line. But I also like Nelson Aguilar, or, uh, Aguilar excuse me, the wide receiver. Uh, he's still a junior, so he could go back depending on uh, how things work out this year for USC and if they think, you know, hey, maybe we're in prime position uh, to make a push. I could see Aguilar going back because uh, the rest of the wide receiver class is pretty strong this year coming into the draft. And that includes Ty Montgomery, who's a senior over at Stanford. I think he's somebody who could be in first-round discussion. But their uh, top bill is going to be Andrus Pete. So if you're one of these people who says, look, the Rams still need to solidify tackle, this is a game you probably want to see. There's some good tackles in action. Passing the USC Stanford game, you got Michigan State, Oregon. That's going to have a ton. Premier uh, pass rusher in Shalik Calhoun. A lot of good players in the secondary. Uh, Curtis Drummond, Trey Waynes. Drummond's the uh, free safety for Michigan State. Trey Waynes, obviously a corner. Uh, my top corner in the draft right now, still Ethel Trey Alumu. He'll be in action for Oregon. And then the late game that I picked out was Virginia Tech, Ohio State. So plenty to watch for from this weekend. Uh, another game you might point to is Michigan at number 16, Notre Dame. That's going to be 7.30 on NBC. That might be pretty fun. You get a look. I mentioned tight ends. You get a look at Devin Funches. So if you haven't really looked at uh, Funches yet and kind of what they've got going on out in Michigan, maybe that contest against Notre Dame is one worth checking out because there's some decent guys in action there too. But that's, like I mentioned, month and month and month and month ahead. we got a game coming up in four days. Four, well, I guess four and a half days, and it's still technically Tuesday night, but begrudge me if I'm already into Wednesday morning mentally. It's time to get it going, man. It's week one. You got to come out. You have to put. You got to. You got to get something straight early, right? You have to figure out how you're going to. And I think Kevin. I think it was Kevin that mentioned this. You got to figure out how you're going to be able to run the ball when defenses know. And this was what the Rams faced after you got over the honeymoon period with Zach Stacy. Teams started stacking the box. They felt comfortable saying, "Look, we're not going to let this Rams offensive line beat us. We're not going to let uh, Zach Stacy beat us. If you're going to beat us, you got to do it with Kellen Clemens." I think we might see something similar with teams this year when they look at Sean Hill and say, "If you're going to get it done, you got to get it done with Sean Hill. We're not going to let somebody else beat us." On the defensive side, you got to establish the pass rush. There's too much talent there. I'm hoping Aaron Donald can come out and have the kind of first game that makes you think that, hey, this guy could be a really special rookie. But the reality is the talent, even if they struggle, the talent's going to bring them back. The problem is the secondary. And you gotta, you got to be able to – got to be able to force the game underneath where the Rams are strongest. And who knows? I think part of it, too, is seeing what kind of blitz packages Greg Williams wants to roll out. You know, new defensive coordinator, some new uh, schematic changes – and maybe maybe a little bit less of a cushion to death. I don't think anybody would be too upset to see the end of that. But uh, in the end, it's a uh, opponent in the Minnesota Vikings who isn't overwhelming. So you, you want to be able to get out of this with a win and get into this three-game stretch with some confidence that even without Sam Bradford and, and without Trumaine Johnson, Stedman, Bailey Early, you're going to be able to compete and you're going to be able to get some results and put the season on track to be successful and give Rams fans what they've been waiting for for a hell of a long time, man. And that's a winning record and a birth in the playoffs. It starts on Sunday. It starts on Sunday. And uh, stay tuned to Tertial Times. we got some good stuff coming up this week. Thanks to all the callers. Thanks to Ted Glover coming in, uh, Purple Buckeye on Twitter, uh, for coming in representing Daily Norseman. Q&A will go up with him tomorrow on the site. We're going to have some more game preview stuff and obviously stay with us into the weekend. You know, if you want Rams coverage, is one place to get it, man. It's Tertial Times, and as always, go Rams.
bad jacket and I'm starting this off. The Rams get down so nobody scoffs. And don't you worry, cause the Rams are rapping. When game time comes, we'll be back to that. We can't sing and our dance is not pretty. But we'll do our best for the team and the city. So get on your feet and clap your hands. Let's ram it right now with the L.A. Rams. Hollywood Hanson, Dodge City Tough. If you throw it my way, it's going to get rough. I like to ram it, as you can see. Nobody likes ramming any more than me. They call me Dita. Nobody dresses sweeter. But under this cool is a quarterback mistreater. I come from the end, looking for the sacks. I don't stop coming till I put them on the back. This limousine with it, my moves are like dreams. They call me the demon on special team. I know how to rock from the toes to the head. When I pull the trigger, I'll knock you dead. I'm a mountain man from West VA. They call me Herc, and I came to play. I learned long ago to ram it just right. You can ram it all day and ram it all night. from your mano or Safeway. Can't decide what to eat? Whether it's lunch or dinner, you'll find a perfect meal in the Safeway Deli. Handcrafted sandwiches, fresh sushi prepared by our in-house chefs, signature salads, our famous fried chicken and tenders. Add a side like creamy mashed potatoes or mac and cheese. All fresh and ready to go every day. Stop by this week to get a hot deal on rotisserie chicken, only $5.88 each with in-hand coupon. This is Clifford from Manoa Safeway, and we'll see you soon. There's a time and a place for black and white, like when you're learning to play piano, or when you want a big two-toned cookie, or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white, so go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing, from banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 18 Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. Hi, I'm Karis Fisher. I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Recode Decode. Every week, I talk to tech and media's key players about how they're changing our world. I interview tech executives like Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, political figures like Hillary Clinton, and media personalities like John Carreyou, who literally wrote the book on Theranos. Once again, the name of the show is Recode Decode, hosted by me, Kara Swisher. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. See you there.